Amen. Thank you, Tim and choir, for that beautiful anthem. Uh, we were talking before the service this morning, and I said, well, if my voice had not come back, we'll just, because uh, no one could read my notes, uh, no one could decipher that, uh, Tim said, well, we'll just sing. I said, absolutely. I said, we're United Methodist. We sing. I said, you throw some food in there, go right on. Have a potluck and, and a singing. Uh, we'll be in, in good shape. But again, thank you. Music uh, is very important to me. I started out as a, a music major, quickly figured out uh, I was okay, but I wasn't nearly that good. I would starve to death. But I do enjoy music, enjoy singing, and deeply appreciate uh, our musicians here. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of 2 Thessalonians. And I'll be reading from chapter... 2, verses 13 through 15. But we must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. For this purpose, he called you through our proclamation of the good news so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, Stand firm and hold fast to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by our letter. My brothers and sisters and beloved friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you bow with me for a moment? Gracious and holy, almighty God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths. Lord, I pray that the words my mouth, the meditations of our hearts and minds would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, you who are our rock and our redeemer. And I pray this, not in our name, but in the name above all names, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who lives and reigns with you, almighty God, our Father, and with God, the Holy Spirit, one God, true God, our God, now and forever. Amen. Well, we're well into our sermon series on balance. You remember a couple of weeks ago we had an introduction on how we as United Methodists, how we in our Wesleyan tradition do theological reflection, really what that is and what is theology, and you might have thought, well, I don't do theology. Well, everybody uh, does that if you want to be technical. Last week, we talked about scripture. Andy and Brian preached on scripture, and as United Methodist in the Wesleyan tradition, we affirm the primacy of scripture. Uh, scripture is primary. Today, we're talking about tradition, and I don't know about you, but just when you hear that word, I was talking about this sermon series with a friend of mine who is a musician several uh, months or so ago, and she yelled out, tradition, like, Fiddler on the Roof, if any of you thought of that, I might be dating myself, but that's immediately what she thought. But we have tradition. Traditions are important. Uh, I remembered when I was working on this, some of my childhood traditions and learning the faith. I remember Christmas. Before we opened our Christmas presents, we read the birth narrative of Jesus. We read Luke chapter 2. I'm sure most of you in here can probably quote that, and if we started doing that, it might be in different translations, but we could quote it and get pretty 
close to 100%. But we did that every single year before we got to open our Christmas gifts. So we learned, you know, Christmas isn't just about waiting for Santa Claus to come, isn't just about decorating the house, it's about celebrating the birthday of Jesus. Another thing we did is my grandmother, my mother's mother, my nanny, made the most wonderful coconut cake. And we had red candles, little bitty red candles in that cake. And she had fancy pans that she made the, the cake in. And she did that only once a year. And that was the birthday cake for Jesus. And so we did that every year before we opened Christmas presents. I have yet to find those same little red candles, like regular birthday candles, but a package of just the red ones. And I've not attempted to make Nanny's coconut cake. Uh, I will rely on uh, the experts, and we have a lot of experts in here. Uh, my tradition has been to make red velvet cake, or push come to shove, purchase one uh, for the birthday cake uh, for Jesus. But that tradition was important to me, so I learned early in my family that faith is important. Christmas is about celebrating the birth of Jesus. And on Easter, uh, one of the reasons I became United Methodist is because every Easter, we would go to my aunts, uh, my maternal aunts, for Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm sorry, for Easter. And we would go to First United Methodist Church in Mount Olive, Mississippi, where they attended. And it was so much fun because my aunt had four kids, well, that she birthed and could claim on her taxes. The rest of the community were her kids, too, because we all just congregated in her yard. But we went to church. We sang great hymns, heard their choir, heard the good news of Jesus. So it just wasn't Easter for years you know, when we stopped going to Aunt Jane's. That was our tradition. And then we would, of course, in our Easter finery, have to take pictures for at least five hours to get them just right. You know, and our feet were hurting. I was sleepy because Mother made me wear those awful curlers that stick to your head. Saturday night, every Saturday night. I never slept well on a Saturday night. But those are traditions, so faith is important. This is... This is important, those traditions. Well, about 36 years ago, well, 36 years ago in September, I married the most wonderful man uh, in the world, and he had different traditions. Remember one year, it's either Thanksgiving or Christmas, I can't remember which one it was, but we were sitting down to eat the holiday meal, and his father, my late father-in-law, was a wonderful chef. In fact, he opened his own catering business, bought, I mean, had the commercial equipment, I mean, everything, after he retired as an engineer. But we sat down to the meal, and y'all, we had celery sage stuffing. I'm a southerner. There was no cornbread dressing. I love cornbread dressing. And of course, I was polite as my mother, as was tradition. I was raised well by my mother and father. But as soon as I could, I called my mom, Mom, you got to help me. Please save some cornbread dressing. Y'all don't eat it all. They had, well, what, how'd they make it? It had celery, sage, and white bread, or as my daddy called it, light bread. 
not one of my favorite things to eat. I, I didn't starve, and Mama, I think Mama saved some. When I went before District Committee ordained ministry for the first time, you know, ordination in the United Methodist Church, it's a long process. You got to be in it to win it. You got to be in it for the long haul. Had to discern, then declare candidacy, write a letter to your district superintendent. Uh, they assign you a mentor. Mine is Reverend Vicki Landrum. She's still my mentor. I won't let her go. Um, she might want to fire me, but I'm hanging on to her. And then you go before your SPRC, but I go before the District Committee of Ordained Ministry. And they're asking me, well, what faith tradition did you grow up in? And I tell them. And, well, what about your husband? And I won't ever forget the late Reverend Joe Landrum now saying, so in other words, what you're saying is he ain't from here, is he? And I said, no, sir, he's not. He's one of those kinds of Yankees and that my daddy described, and I'll just leave it at that. So traditions are important. Traditions help us form our identity as a people. Uh, they are useful tools. So far as ordination goes, uh, it is a process. The laying on of hands goes way back to Antioch. That is way, way back in the day when they laid hands on Paul and Barnabas. Y'all know Paul, like the Paul in the Bible and Barnabas, and sent them out for ministry. So very early on, and I will say I'm using Andy Stoddard's notes. He, if you go online, you can get his uh, worksheet, and you can fill in, test your memory and fill in, the, fill in the blanks. So early on, we Christians recognized the authority of the church. You remember the story of Jesus and his disciples, and Jesus asked him, well, you know, who, who they say that I am? Well, some say Elijah. Some say John the Baptist, and even some others say Jeremiah. And Jesus said, now, well, who do you say I am? And then you remember Peter's profession of faith. I believe that you are the Son of God. And Jesus turns to him and says, Upon this rock I will build my church, and you know the rest. The gates of hell will, will not prevail against it. What Jesus is saying is that this profession of faith, you know, we build our church, our foundation is built on Jesus. Peter said, I know who you are. You're the Son of God. And so from there, Jesus, of course, had the 12 apostles, and their job was to order the church. And these are folks to whom Jesus actually physically appeared and gave them specific tasks. And if you look at the disciples, I mean, even just a cursory reading and you look at some of their personalities, it's like, gosh, they're just like me. Human beings, golly, what a bunch of knuckleheads. They're sinners. But Jesus said, go and make disciples, send them out. And then sent Paul. You know, Paul was persecuting Christians, holding the coat of the ones who stoned Stephen. But he appeared, but Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus. And also in Acts 15, y'all, we're not the first Christians to ever have conferences, holy conferencing and uh, sometimes unholy conferencing. 
meetings, administrative council. It goes way back to the Bible, the Council of Jerusalem. And they decided the path that the church should take. So this, y'all, is what we mean by tradition. The traditions of the church are important. Our forefathers, our foremothers of the faith, some lost their lives for their beliefs. Actually, and I didn't mention this in the first time, I'm doing a little bit of genealogy research. Uh, one of my ancestors martyred under Queen Mary. So tradition is important, and it extends back to the very first church. We understand them in light of the creeds. This morning, when, uh, well, when Tim and I were planning worship this past week, we chose the Apostles' Creed. It's the one we say the most often. We know that. And I loved Laura's children's message, and I love how the Holy Spirit works. I could not have planned that any better. When the storms of life come, when the doubts, as the song says, when the doubts and fears assail, we hold on to that. I can say, I believe in God the Father Almighty. And then I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son. I, this is what I believe. I don't know anything else. I may not know my name. I may not know what day it is or anything else. But I know this. Why? Because of the church tradition we've been taught. We go over and over and over and over it. I had a friend ask me one time, well, why do y'all do that? That just seems so rote and uninspired and uh, boring and why would you do that? Not worshipful. I said, well, how do you learn anything else? How'd you learn your spelling words? You go over and over and over and you internalize it. How do you know your multiplication tables? Now, I'm not a mathematician by any means, but even I remember the times tables because I went, my mama made me go over and over and over. There's certain things in that faith, that tradition. I believe in God the Father. I may not know what day it is, but I know this is fact. So tradition. There is a difference between tradition and traditionalism. Tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. So tradition is a good thing. Again, when we take what our ancestors believed from Scripture, fought and died for a lot of times, the truths of our faith. Tradition is a good thing. It helps us shape our identity and our beliefs. Traditionalism is the, well, you know, we can't do it any other way. That's just not right. Tradition isn't the end itself. It's the why. What is our message? What are we trying to do? We are trying to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. These traditions, these rituals are important. In the early church, heresies were floating around. And y'all, today, heresies, false beliefs are floating around. And there are some good counterfeits out there. If a counterfeit is, you know, it's not a really good one if you can easily tell the difference. So we need these traditions to help us learn the faith, help our children learn the faith and know it. Know it without a shadow of a doubt. So tradition is a good thing. Traditionalism when we focus on just the practice is when it becomes more of legalism. And of course, again, we, were, we know that Scripture is primary. We know that we're not the first Christians to ever live. 
But there are other Christians that we can learn from. As United Methodist, we look to John Wesley. Some people say we might look to him, and Andy wrote that we might look to him a little too much. Maybe so, maybe not. I remember uh, someone said, why do you Methodists worship John Wesley? I said, we don't worship John Wesley. Uh, Jesus Christ is Lord, period. Uh, that we affirm that in the primacy of Scripture. John Wesley never wanted to found another denomination. He lived and died an Anglican priest. But John Wesley wanted to recover primitive Christianity, that religion of the heart. So we do look to some of his teachings. Uh, if you want a little light reading, uh, I think Brian, Andy, and I all have copies of Wesley's sermons. Really good, but not exactly light reading, I'm kidding. So Wesley wanted to recover that because, again, the early church was closest to Jesus. Again, not perfect, like us. You read the characters in the Bible, you say, gosh, well, I share a lot of characteristics with them. But Jesus chose them to spread the good news. Think about that for a minute. Jesus chose them, people like you and me, people like John Wesley. We're Protestants, so we look to not only John Wesley, but Luther, Calvin. There are many, many others. And we affirm the priesthood of believers. What does that mean? That means God works through all believers. If you profess faith in Jesus Christ, you're a believer, you've got gifts that are needed for the kingdom. If you don't believe it takes a kingdom, just hang out with us on a Sunday morning or during the week. We have musicians, we have servants, we have people who are administrators. We have people who preach, who teach. So yes, you are a minister. You might say, well, no, I can't do that. I'm, I'm too old. I can't get around. Well, you can still minister. Well, I'm too young. Look at these young ladies, our acolytes. And also when the kids, in kids' moments, pray, and some of their comments, like, man, that'll preach. We affirm the priesthood of the believers. And this is for all the generations of the church. We do this to pass down. When we prayed for this baby, and we also make a covenant to nurture this child, to pray for this child, that is our tradition. It's our inheritance that we've received and that we pass on. So my friends, as Paul exhorted, stand firm, hold fast, hold fast to the tradition, hold fast to that rope, because those storms are coming. They're here. Stand firm and hold fast, because Jesus entrusted them to us. Why? Not for tradition's sake, but so all will know that Jesus is Lord and profess him and have saving faith. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.